You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Grace and Strength to Deliver. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Highway Church. We're so glad that you've joined us from wherever you are. We're a church in East Taunton, Massachusetts. We're interested to tell people uh, who God is, what he's done for us, and now who we are in Christ. So thank you for joining us today. And we want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms. I know the things that we do (laughs) that often go unnoticed, uh, that people don't know. And I just want you to know that God notices. You have not gone unnoticed to God. He sees what you do, your love and your service to your family. And the scriptures tell us he's faithful to reward you for that work. So keep up the good work, moms. I want to encourage you in this time uh, that we're in. We find ourselves in a little bit of a waiting period right now in this year, 2020. And as I thought about this waiting period and Mother's Day, I thought about being pregnant. Surprise, that shouldn't be uh, too hard to imagine that on Mother's Day, I remembered being pregnant. But the fun thing about it that I remember is that my first baby came late, did not come on time, and I had to do the work of being patient through those remaining weeks. It was weeks. Thank you. It was weeks. Those remaining weeks before the delivery. I had an expectation for one date, but it was weeks following before uh, the revealing of that expectation actually took place. And I thought, we're kind of similar in that right now, where we're at home, a stay-at-home order. Some of you are lifted where you are. That order has been lifted where you are. Where we are, it's still in place. We're still in this waiting season. I remember particularly in those weeks, waiting for the delivery of my first baby, how I didn't feel like moving a whole lot. I didn't feel too much energy at the end. Um, I remember feeling very, very big (laughs) and somewhat uncomfortable from what was normal. And I should say that we could probably draw an analogy that some of us are feeling uncomfortable from our normal, that we're waiting for the expectation, for the delivery, for the release of some things in our lives. But I want you to know that those weeks were not wasted for me. Those weeks were a completion of what was growing inside of me. And it's the same for you in this season. Don't become frustrated in what is happening around you. Rather, allow the things that have to come to maturity, that have to come to fullness, let those things develop in these times. And recognize that this is not forever. There is a next season. There is a time when, so to speak, the baby will be in your arms and life will never be the same. Many people are saying that in these days, saying life will never be the same. Some say it with an air of hope. Others say it with an air of despondency. It's true that we don't know what is coming ahead. It's true that we have to wonder what it's going to look like. But whether for good, which is my expectation, 
or for bad, and I hope that's not your expectation, although I understand that it might be, I want to encourage you today that for the good, let's have expectation for the good. Let's be thankful through this time as we wait for the delivery of what the next season is. And there is a next season. As I was in prayer for today and I asked the Lord what he would like us to know, what it is that's on his heart for us in this time, this is what I got. That you are going to need strength to deliver these new things that are coming. And like I said, we've been making the analogy of giving birth to a baby. You need strength for that task. And God, I believe, is saying to us in this time, you need strength to deliver the new things that are coming around the corner. And there is a new thing coming around the corner. I want to encourage you to press into that new thing that's around the corner. Don't be afraid of it. Don't hide from it, but press into this new thing that God is doing in your life and know that you'll need strength for what is coming. Where we are going, you and I are going to need strength and we need to know how to access this strength and this grace. So God is very gracious. (laughs) Ah, He's just so good. He tells us, what we need. He knows what we need before any of us know what we need. And I believe in this time, he's just so good to tell us what we're going to need in the days ahead. In the days ahead, this is what he said, where you and I are going, (laughs) we need to know how to access grace and strength. So that's what I want to talk about today. Grace and strength to deliver. I remember a particular time, it was an anniversary, a wedding anniversary. Joseph and I were at a local bakery in Providence, Rhode Island, one of our favorite places to go and grab an espresso and a sweet treat. But we had stopped by the mall prior to going to this bakery. And what I had seen in the mall uh, had burdened me. And having come from the mall to the bakery, I was feeling kind of overwhelmed, like the problem was too big. I saw the state of men and women. It was at holiday time, so a lot of people were out, maybe more than I would have seen on a normal day at the mall. But because it was a holiday season, I saw so many people, and I saw, of course, in the holiday frenzy, uh, frustration was evident, confusion, sadness, um, even anger in some places. Um, I even remember at one point, I don't know if that was that same night, but you know, um, uh, a time where someone was stealing from a store even and trying to run away. I just saw the state of humanity in that time and I felt overwhelmed as a minister of the gospel as a woman, I felt overwhelmed. And how could I change this state? How could I reach the number of people that needed to be reached? And you as a mom, or you as a business person, you uh, as a pastor or a minister, probably have felt yourself in a similar situation at times, 
where what you had responsibility for just felt too big, too overwhelming. And I'm telling you today that God is faithful, that He is telling us in this message today how we can access His grace and His strength. Well, what is His grace? I think it's important before we head into anything further that you and I understand what grace is. Uh, We often say at Highway Church that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. You've probably heard that too. God's riches at Christ's expense. In other words, all that God is and all that God has is made available to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. By Him dying on the cross, going to the grave, and being resurrected, we have access now to all that God has and all that God is. And it is God's desire for us to know Him intimately. Another thing that Pastor Joseph talks about regularly, knowing God more clearly, seeing His goodness more clearly. And so, This grace that he has provided for us is all that he has and all that he is. That's what I like to think about grace. I really like to bring it home to the idea that grace is there from God for me to accomplish whatever I need to accomplish. I believe it is God's ability, God's strength, coming to me for his purposes. So I really want you to think today as grace uh, in that sense, that it's God's ability, God's strength to see something through. I needed a sense of God's grace that night at the bakery. I needed to remember that his grace empowers me, that his grace makes me able to fulfill and do what he's called me to do. You as a mom, you as a business leader, or a business owner, uh, you have the same need of realization that God has supplied to you a grace that comes directly from him. So again, how do we access this grace? Let's open our Bibles up. The first scripture that I wanna look at today is 1 Peter 5, 5. How do we get this grace? How do we access this strength? 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Well, while we look at this scripture, let's just highlight a couple of those words. What I saw in there was the idea of submissiveness. Not a real familiar word in this time. And the connotation of the word, what people think the word means, often scares them away. But what is submissiveness? And what does it mean to be submissive to one another? To be clothed in humility. Submit means that you reflexively obey. That your first response, your first reflex is to obey. I don't know if you're like this, um, but when you love someone, (laughs) 
when you honor someone, the minute they speak a word, you pay attention. And I think of that in the sense of submissiveness, or we can say subordinate, meaning below in order. In other words, there's a subordinate, there's an ordination, there's an ordering of things, and I'm sub in the order. I'm under in the order. It's saying that we are to be submissive to one another. And this is a good word in this time. You know, not everybody thinks like you do. (laughs) Not everybody thinks like I do. I can say that because it was a shock to realize how unique every person is and how everyone thinks different things. Everyone's motivation is different. Everyone's processing is different. And it was an adjustment for me to understand years ago that not everybody has to think like I think. (laughs) Not everybody is going to get what I get. They're not going to grasp or comprehend things the same way I grasp or comprehend them. So what do we do in that time? Do we put up a wall and fight? Do we argue? Do we drop a nasty comment on a post? This is not what the scripture says. It says to us that we're to be submissive to one another. Does that mean that you're less important or less significant than the person that you disagree with? No. It just means that you choose to put yourself in the order of things underneath someone else. I don't have to be at the top. Mm. That's a good word. (laughs) Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed in humility. What is humility? We all have an idea of humility. And again, I want to shape that idea that it means that you're less than someone. It doesn't mean that. It means a lowliness of mind. In other words, I'm not high-minded. I have a lowliness of mind. I have the understanding that I don't have all the answers. (laughs) I don't have to answer everything. I don't have to be number one top dog all the time. So this attitude of humility is something that we can really practice in this time. If you see someone doing something, saying something that you don't agree with, what's our response? Well, that submissiveness is a reflexive response to subordinate myself. This is only done by God's grace. You can't do this in the flesh. This is a thing that comes from God. This is his characteristic. This is what he does. He has served us. Jesus said that he didn't come to this earth to be served, but to serve others. And so this idea of humility is important. And let's see why. Because the second verse explains. The second verse is James 4, 6. It says, but he gives more grace. Are you looking for more grace? I know as a mom, as a minister, as a teacher, uh, all the things that I do, I need more grace. Remember what grace is. God's ability, God's power, God's strength coming to you to do what you need to do. I need more grace. So James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. We read this before in 1 Peter 5, 5. But gives grace 
to the humble. Let's look at that. More grace. I want more grace. I want the widest sense. I want the biggest amount. I want to carry as much grace as I possibly can. And you know what? Just saying that out of my mouth right now, God hears that. So you say it out of your mouth. God, give me all the grace. Give me the widest sense. Give me more grace. Give me grace. And you say that and God will respond to that. My goodness, so good. What is the proud? It says that God resists the proud. Again, that's the opposite of humility. It's those who have to be top dog, who have to have the last word, who have to be right all the time. They're arrogant. They place themselves above others. Well, I know more than they do. Well, (laughs) I am in a better position to answer that than they are. This is an attitude that is resisted by God. Who does God give grace to? God gives grace to the humble, the lowly in mind. Let's look at another scripture. Let's look at Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Seeing then that we have a high priest, a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus is your high priest. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Praise God for that. Jesus is our high priest. The scripture is telling us here that our high priest, Jesus, is not the one who can't empathize, who can't sympathize, who doesn't understand what you're going through. I may not understand what you're going through. I may never have had the experiences that you've had. But we have a high priest, Jesus, a great high priest, who uh, sympathizes with our weakness. What else does verse 15 say? Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Remember what the Lord told me in prayer? What do we need to know? We need to have access, how to have access to this grace and this strength. And so, so far we've learned that humility is important in receiving grace. Let's look further into this. What is this idea that Jesus can sympathize with you, moms? Jesus can sympathize with you. He sympathizes with our weakness. This sympathize means commiserate. Co-misery. He, while on earth, experienced all the things that we experience. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our feebleness. He knows our frailty. And he doesn't turn his back from us. As instead, he knows all these things. And then in verse 16, makes the invitation to come to him. Come to him. Moms, come to him. Are you tired? Are you worn out? 
Are you beat down? You need to come to Jesus, the one who gives grace. The throne of grace. What is a throne? Uh, You and I generally don't sit on a throne. (laughs) The only people who sit on a throne are kings and queens. And what does that throne signify? It's a seat of power. A seat of prominence. A seat, I like that, of power or a potentate. That's another word for a king or a monarch. A potentate. Of course, in the middle of that word is potent, strength. So a throne is a place of power. A throne is a place of strength. And God invites us in the scripture to come to his throne, his seat of power. Are you weak? Have you failed? Are you worn out and just finished? Come to the throne, the seat of of power, the seat of strength. Hallelujah. Why? So that we can gain confidence is what it says. Well, it says you can come confidently. Excuse me. It says that you can come confidently. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You might be saying to me, Jennifer, what are you talking about? I'm worn out. I'm ragged. I'm beat down. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Do you know that these are the state of people that are also described when talking about the word humble or humility. They're ones who are weak, poor, ragged. In that very state, moms, in that very state when you have reached the last thread and you don't know what to do, in that very moment, God says to come with confidence. In that moment, you're not unqualified. In that moment, God, in that very moment, God invites you to come with confidence. That means frankness. You can say what you want to God. He invites it. Bluntness. Hallelujah. Come boldly. Come with confidence. Come with bluntness. Come outspoken. He's not afraid of what you faced. He's not afraid of the problems that you're meeting. As a matter of fact, he's the only one who can help you. He's your place of power. And he's willing to give it to you. Why do I know this? Because it says in verse 16, Come confidently, come boldly to that throne, that seat of power of grace, God's strength given to you for what you need to accomplish. Come that you may obtain, receive, grab a hold of, take it, get what you need from God. Get in his face. (laughs) He doesn't mind. Get in his face. Get in his space. He invites you to get in his space and get what you need. Receive, obtain mercy and find grace to help. What does help mean? I love this. I started to study. Help means just simply aid, right? Assistance. And as I was studying this in the scripture, I learned a new word. (laughs) And I shared it with my family. I said, now I've learned a new word and I'm going to tell it on Sunday. I'm not telling what it is until Sunday. Uh, This day I'm going to tell you. It's called frap. Frap. 
I know all of you went to Mick Cafe right now, the menu board. Thought frap. Do you say frap or frappe? That's another thing too. Why is it spelled frappe? I don't know. We went over this. When they first came out, we were like, how do you say it? Anyway, the word that I want to teach you about today is frap. Frap is relating to the rigging on a sailing vessel, a boat. I live in New England, and although I have boats all around me and the opportunity to be on boats, I really am a land lover. <laughs> I really much prefer my feet on the solid ground. Uh, but that is interesting to me. I could go down to any marina. We have water not far from our house. I could go down there and I could see this frap, frapping. What is it? It's when you have all of these cables, all of this rigging, all of this rope, all of this line that's coming together and it's coming from this direction and one's coming from that direction and they all are pulling to a place that needs tension to hold all these things in place. This is the idea behind finding help. Do you feel like this line is frazzled and this line is frazzled and this is just going out of control over here and I don't know what to do over there. I've got all these lines, all these threads, all these strings sticking out all over the place and none of them have anything holding them together. This is the idea of help. It's this frapping uh, rope, this frapping knot you, that pulls all of these loose ends all together, all these things that you don't know how to fix them. You don't know how to grab. That's just totally out of control. I lost hold of that over there and I don't know what to deal with here. It's when all of these loose ends get pulled together and that help is like that frapping knot on a sailing vessel. All of those ropes come together and it is this grace, it is this mercy, it is this help that pulls it all together for you and holds it tight and, hold, and won't let it go. That's the whole idea of this frapping knot. And that's the help that you receive when you come to the throne of grace. I love that. Awesome. Yes. Let's look now at strength. So we talked a lot here. They're so intertwined. You can't have strength without grace. And grace is the strength that you need. And how do we obtain it? We went through those scriptures already. Humility, coming boldly, coming confidently, remaining in a low-mindedness. Listen, he resists the proud, the scripture said, but he gives grace to the one who knows they need it. I know I need help. And the quicker that we, you and I, can acknowledge the help we need, rather than trying to be tough and figuring it out, and I'll just work it out, you know, the quicker that we can uh, admit the help that we need, the quicker we'll get that help. God is so good. Now let's talk about an idea, the idea of strength. Do you know that the grace that you have to give others is only as deep as the grace that you receive? So if you're unwilling to acknowledge, I'm just going back to grace for a minute. 
If you're unwilling to acknowledge your need of help, your need of grace, when you turn around to help somebody else, you'll only be giving out of your own weakness, your own frustration. The grace that you receive is the grace that you'll be able to give. So make sure that you are acknowledging the help that you need, getting the help that you need from God, because the grace that you have to give is only as deep as the grace that you've received. Let's go now and look at strength in the scriptures. What is strength tied to? Let's find out. Let's look at Psalm 8, verse 2. This is the New Living Translation. Psalm 8, verse 2 says, You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. This is a scripture um, relating to a time uh, when the Pharisees were, that is, the church leaders in Bible times, were upset that people were letting their kids just shout out (laughs) and make a ruckus. And they were annoyed. Of course, they thought they were in a better station. The humility was not a, a strong point in the lives of these Pharisees. And Jesus answers back and tells of a scripture, this scripture, from Psalm 8 that says, You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. Psalm 8, 2, out of the New King James Version, says, Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. In the New American Standard Version, it says, From the mouth of infants and babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. What am I talking about here? What is Jesus talking about? He says in Matthew 21, let's go there, Matthew 21, 14 through 16. I'll read a little bit more to you about it. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And he healed them. Sounds good, right? But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the healing, saw the wonderful things that Jesus did, and the children were crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. The children were excited. The children were praising God. The children saw what Jesus had done and cried out and were excited about it. They were children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant, these chief priests and scribes. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? They were so put off by the praise of these children. They thought it was uh, almost shameful. Keep your kids quiet. (laughs) Right? But they were praising God. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Jesus recognized the children 
and used the word praise in this case. Now, when we read in Psalm 8, the word was strength. You have ordained strength. Why do I make a note of these two things? Because strength and praise are the same in these two scriptures. Let's go back to Psalm 8 and read it again. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength or to praise you. Kids are excited about Jesus. When they see the amazing miracles, and that's why we often teach children about the miracles of Jesus early on, because they're, so, they're full of faith and they're so excited about eyes opening, about fish, couple of fish turning into food for thousands. They're excited. And so here they are, children, praising God. And this praise says that it silences the enemy. It silences those who oppose you. It silences the avenger. It puts a stop to your enemies. Praise is a big old stop sign to anything that's coming against you. I'm just thinking now, I wasn't intending to share this, but I will. There have been um, times in each of the lives of my children where accidents have happened, uh, where they could have turned to a very bad result. But in the midst of these times, when I have found an attack on my children's lives, their very existence, that I would praise God in the first moments, immediately begin to praise God and it puts a stop to the furthering of any attempts of the enemy. It puts a stop to any furtherance down this road. You have to read this word and believe it and take it to heart that my praise Your praise, our praise, stops, silences, causes to cease any attack, any inroad of the enemy. It puts it to an end. Hallelujah. So praise and strength are tied. This is why we're talking about praise right now. Let's go to Psalm 149. Psalm 149 is a whole, the last Uh, Three chapters of the book of Psalms, 148, 149, and 150, are all just big praise songs, (laughs) just big praise parties to God. And it's good to read those on a regular basis. I want to read Psalm 149 to us today. It says, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord. (laughs) a new song, and his praise in the assembly of saints. Now, we've not been assembling at our regular location, but you still are assembling with some saints, maybe in your house, in your family. In that, praise that praise the Lord. Praise the Lord amongst your family. Praise the Lord in front of your children. Make sure that they know what God has done for you and how he's delivered you time and time again. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful. Be joyful in your king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Do you ever dance just because you're so excited for what God has done? And your kids think you're crazy? Dance anyway. (laughs) 
ask me how I know. <laughs> Sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble. There's that word again. Humble, grace, praise, strength. All of these are tied. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Listen to these verses. This is what praise does. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute on them the written judgment. This honor, all these things that we just said are possible. The stopping of enemies, the binding of kings, um, the the, uh, vengeance on nations. We like to think, well, God doesn't do all of that. (laughs) Listen, God is a God who is holy. He's right. He's just. He's perfect in all his way. He makes no mistake. He makes no wrong judgment. When God makes a judgment, it's a right judgment. God is not without judgment. And it's important that we understand that judgment does exist and can co- um, cooperate with love. That's a whole nother topic. But I want you to see that by our praise, we stand on the side of God. And in our praise, we stop our enemies. With our praise, we stand on the right side of God. We stand on the just side of God. We stand on the holy side of God. And through our praise, we execute the things Uh, that are right and in line with his character and his person. Your praise puts a stop to your enemies. So again, I've been talking primarily to moms, but this is not only for moms. You can see anybody can employ this. Anybody who wants to put a stop or needs, finds themselves overwhelmed and doesn't know how to come against those things that are coming against you, It's by your praise. It says this honor have all his saints. This honor, this privilege to stand on the God side. This honor to have his way and his will be established in the earth as I align my mouth with his words as my praise is directed to him. It puts a stop to our enemies. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to tell you about a woman that I met recently. And this woman has made quite an impression on me. And I'll just tell you a little bit about her. Uh, She is a wealthy uh, woman, significant in her community, uh, making an impact among the other women of her community, She's a midwife. Uh, She is a Bible teacher. She holds uh, two Bible studies in her home every week. Um, She is a Massachusetts resident. Uh, She has 14 children. Uh, 
and three of them died during quarantine. At right uh, in her life, the state stands against her and is threatening her speech and is threatening her religion. And I'm one, you're probably saying, what are you talking about? Who is this woman? I want to introduce you to her. Her name is Anne Hutchinson, and she was exiled from the state of Massachusetts in 1637. Uh, she's made a great impact on my life because of her emphasis on the covenant of grace rather than the covenant of works. She came here uh, to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts uh, because her beloved pastor, whom she rode on a horse six hours to and six hours back to hear this minister, he had come to Massachusetts and she left England. Uh, there was a quarantine. I mentioned quarantine. There was a quarantine in England before her arrival here in which three of her children died. But she came here expecting to attend the church of her beloved minister. And why did she do that? Because she identified that he taught a covenant of grace, not a covenant of works. She was exiled from Massachusetts on the grounds of sedition, breaking up the state of Massachusetts, and of course on heresy. The Puritan church at the beginning of this nation was a law-abiding um, uh, church that used its laws to create an ordered society. Well, Anne Hutchinson uh, didn't approve of covenant of laws. She understood the scriptures to be highlighting a covenant of grace. Why am I telling you about her? Because we've been talking about grace. And she talked about grace. And she was a mom with 14 children, three of whom died during a quarantine, not unlike this. She went through a lot. Her, her father was imprisoned. She sailed over here only to be put on trial herself and stood alone, pregnant, in the middle of 40 men who judged her to be a heretic and a person of sedition. She endured all of this, and how could she do it? She did it by focusing on grace. What did I say at the beginning grace is? Grace is God's power, God's strength, being given on your behalf that you might accomplish all that he's called you to. It's exactly what Anne lived by. She counted on and relied on the grace of God. How do I know this? Because I've read some of her quotes and I want to share them with you. She says, But now having seen him who is invisible, that is Jesus, having her eyes open to the person of Jesus, I fear not what man can do to me. Where we are going in the future, Anne didn't know she was sailing from England to this new land only to be met by a court of 40 men who would disapprove, call her an instrument of Satan, <laughs> and kick her out of her home. She couldn't have known that whenever she left, but that's what she met. And so I'm saying to you, she had no fear of men. How did she not have this fear? Maybe you need that same boldness. How did she know it? Because she has seen him which is invisible. 
or seeing him, which is invisible, I fear not what man can do to me. What else did she say? Seek for a better establishment in Christ. I'm going to echo her words today. Seek for a better establishment in Christ, not comfort in duties. Don't find your comfort because you've, you know, done all the duties of a mom perfectly. And that shouldn't even be your aim. (laughs) That shouldn't even be our aim that we fulfill our duties as a mom perfectly. What does Anne Hutchinson say? I say the same. What should we seek instead? Seek for better establishment in Christ. Know the person of Jesus. Know the grace that's available to you. Know this one who promises help in your time of need. Much better than finding comfort in doing all your duties just so. And the last thing that she said, she said, tell not me of meditation and duties and all the things I have to do. But tell me of Christ. She made an emphasis of Christ. She made a priority of knowing Christ in her life. And I want to encourage you to do the same. It is the person of Christ. John 1, 17. I need to turn there. I didn't turn there in advance, but it just came to mind. Where's this grace come from? John 1, 17. I'm going to turn there. <laughs> Some of you may know it already. It says, And of his fullness we all have received, and grace for grace. That's verse 16. What? His fullness, who? For the law, all the duties, all the trying to do it just so, was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So like Anne, making a big deal about Jesus. I'm not concerned about how I'm doing my duties just so, or if I've done it to impress people? Will they like what I've done? Will my mom be impressed with how I've done my mom duties? Will my husband be pleased? All of that is about duties and trying to meet standards. That's not why Jesus came. It says that he came, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, and we have received grace for grace. If you find yourself needing help, If you find yourself overwhelmed and you need all these loose ends to be pulled together in your life, there's only one person who can help you do that. And we found him today. What's coming ahead in this new season? Whatever's around the corner, we're not shying away from it. We're not cowardly backing into a corner. We're pressing into it, knowing that we can find help, that we can access strength, And that we can access grace in whatever's about to come around the corner. How do we do it? By keeping a a mind of humility. By going boldly before God. By praising Him so that we gain strength in that. And if you don't know the person of Jesus, you can today. I'm so excited and so honored and privileged to share with you the person of Jesus. He is the one who is the reason for all that I have and all that I am today. 
I just acknowledge him and honor him right now. And I invite you to know him as well. So if you need help, your help is found from the throne of grace, the one who holds all power, the one who makes the invitation to you in your tattered, worn, tired, exhausted state. If that's you today, come to Jesus. Know his grace. Know his strength for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these who are watching today. And I thank you that they know a new grace, that they know a new strength, that they obtain the help that they need by coming to you. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we acknowledge you as the Son of God, who God sent for the salvation of the world. We confess to you, Father, our need of you. We confess, Father, our need for your grace. We've failed, we've sinned, we've missed the mark. But you, Lord, are our salvation. Our hope is in you. We name you Jesus as Lord. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.